Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Everything is possible for one who believes. Welcome to Faith Matters. It's the Book of Signs. The Book of Signs by Dr. David Jeremiah. And Mm -hmm. it's chapter number three. Now what this book is, is it's 31 chapters, each one of them representing a sign that he believes is apocalyptic and Mm -hmm. biblical. Definitely biblically based because it's Dr. David Jeremiah, the pastor. So with that, we are on chapter three, and you want to just review real quick what we went over in one and two? So um, we've been talking about part one in his book is about the international signs. Okay, right. The first five chapters grouped into one first section, right, Ken? Right, international signs. And so um, we've already talked about Israel, which is obvious. We know that... Israel is going to be key. Yeah, and that sign was that they became their own nation in 1948. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, the next one was number two. Europe. Was Europe. Right. And that that obviously played a big role in biblical times with Persia and the Midians and Midianites and that whole area. Yeah, so that was interesting to hear about how Europe fits into it, even though Europe in and of itself isn't mentioned. Necessarily. N- mm-hmm. Not specifically, right? And then number three, that's where it really starts to get interesting because, of course, this makes headlines no matter what newscast you're on. And who's it about? What's three? Russia! Russia, Russia, <laughs> Russia! Hey, welcome tonight. It's Russian collusion! Live! <laughs> All right. So what we're going to do is talk about how Russia fits in. I just watched myself on the screen. <laughs> that was pretty goofy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's us here. We're live. All right? right. Live right. from our office. And what do we have here in <clears throat> chapter three? So chapter three, uh, Dr. David Jeremiah starts talking about the fact that um, uh, Russia has always been um, one of the strong nations. Mm-hmm. Um, seen as a bully. Right. Pretty much. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about Putin's history, the current leader. Mm-hmm. Um, he started as a KGB officer. Right. Right. And then um, in 95, or in 75, I didn't realize that he's that old, that he was working as a KGB right. officer in 75. He doesn't look that old. Right, right. You know, so it was pretty surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, but he retired from the KGB in 91, where he started working with the administration, and he ended up... Um, Becoming acting president in 99, December of 99. Then he was voted into office in 2000 and was president from 2000 to 2008. Then he was prime minister until 2012. And then they elected him president again in 2012. So, um, and he is currently president still. So he has been in leadership position in Russia for what, oh, 20 years now? 
Well, 75, you said? Well, uh, he's been president or prime minister since since 2000. Okay, yeah, 22 years. Yeah. So, um, he he just basically talked about that first. Mm -hmm. Putin wants to be recognized as a world leader of a world power. Right. Okay. Where will his ambitions lead? As much as we would like to think Putin's manipulations merely reflect the antics of an overreaching dreamer, we have good reason to believe that the Russian threat is real. In fact, we have evidence that at some point, Russia will ignite a war like no other. Russia's aggressive moves today cast a shadow into a future described by Ezekiel. Approximately 2,500 years ago, Ezekiel predicted Russia's return to power in the latter days. Remember in chapters 38 and 39 of his prophecy, he described the invasion of Israel by ten armies, including Russia and a a coalition of mostly Islamic states. Mm -hmm. The nations we know today as Russia figures prominently into the scriptures. In Ezekiel's list of ten names, the third name is Rosh, and... It identifies a nation ruled by the leader in a coalition that will attack Israel. We have at least two strong reasons for believing that Rosh and Russia might be the same. First, it's kind of hard not to see the phonetic similarities there. Rosh, mm-hmm. Russia. But Dr. John F. Halvord says, In the study of how ancient words come into the modern language, it's quite common for the consonants to remain the same and the vowels to change. Secondly, the Bible refers to the location of Israel as the middle of the earth, right? Right. It's, uh, the Bible um, always talks from a perspective of Israel. So mm-hmm. from Israel's perspective, where are these people coming from? Okay. So that's what you need to keep in, in mind as you're reading. And in Ezekiel 5.5, 5, it does say, Thus says the Lord, This is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations and countries all around her. So whenever we find geographical directions in prophecy, they're given in relation to the position of Israel, like Andrea was saying, as uh, Dr. Jeremiah had pointed out. Mm -hmm. The prophet Daniel described the ruler who would lead an attack against Israel in the latter days as a king of the north. Okay, we had a discussion about this today. Mm -hmm. And we've concluded there's only one nation up there that qualifies... As the largest, the biggest, the and most powerful. And it's in the north. And it's Russia. And yep. that's Russia. So just look yep. geographically. Yep. It's easy to conclude that Russia's involved. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel's prophecy says the invading armies will come to Israel from the far north, and only one country occupies a geographical position right. in the far north. And that is Israel. So there it is. It's not right. just our theory, it's his too. Right. So there's also not only Russian's aggression, but there's also the Russian alliance. So was it chapter one we talked about the statue with the ten toes? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're getting back to the ten toes here. Mm-hmm. Okay. The commander of the alliance in Ezekiel 38, it reads, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog. The prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. Okay? Okay. So, it sounds like just a bunch of gibberish. (laughs) You reading the Bible? Gog refers not to a nation, but a person. Just those words sound weird. Yeah, I know. They're just tough. So, the word Gog means (laughs) high or supreme, 
So some scholars believe that Gog is not a personal name, but a title, like president or pharaoh or something to that effect. Okay. Okay. So in that instance, then, Gog is the leader of the armies that will invade Israel. And God commands Gog to be a guard or commander for these nations. Okay? Okay. There are other countries in the alliance other than Rosh. Right. Okay. And it says Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. Okay. So just keep Meshech those. Meshech and Tubal. Right. Keep those in mind. Okay. So Magog, mm-hmm. according to Genesis 10.2, Magog was the second son of Japheth. Okay. Right. Right. So. Um, Japheth was son of Noah. A grandson of Noah. Grandson. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right. So. Um, the Scythians is where the, um, Magog went when he left his father. Okay. Okay. Um, he, Dr. Jeremiah says, I'd like to identify this area as the homeland of the stands, the stand country. So Kazakhstan or Kazakhstan, Um, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan. Okay. Uh, Turkmenistan. Tajikistan, yeah, right. Tajikistan, right, and Afghanistan. Okay, these nations together mm-hmm. have one thing in common: Islam. Oh, okay. All right, so Magog. Okay, Meshech and Tubal. Okay, Meshech and Tubal. They were the fifth and sixth sons of Jeff, Joseph. Joseph, yeah, the grandson of Noah. Okay. Um, they traveled to the north. Some scholars identify Meshech as Moscow and Tubal as Tobolesk. Others say they're territories of modern Turkey. I lean more towards the Moscow and Tobolesk because they were grouped with Rosh. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's the only reason I'm saying that. In in the in the verse it says the prince of Rosh Meshech and Tubal, and you think they're um, Moscow? Moscow and Tobolos. Moscow is a city, and Russia is the whole country. right, right. So It'd he's the fun. prince of all three of those. So that makes sense to me. And Tubal is where? Uh, Tobolos, Tobolosk. Is that an area within I think it's, Moscow? I think I think it's a city, a, another city or another region of okay, Russia. That does make sense. Then. Yeah. Okay. So there's that one. You want to start with that one? And Persia, according to Ezekiel thirty-eight five, Persia will also participate in Russia's invis- invasion of Israel. Right. Now, who's Persia? Persia changed its name to Iran mm-hmm. in nineteen thirty-five, and then in nineteen seventy-nine. It changed its name back to the Islamic Republic of Iran. Iran and Russia will be the leading forces in this final attempt to wipe wipe Israel off the map. Today, Iran is wielding its malevolent influence not only in the Middle East, but in the West as well. Right. And then Ethiopia. Yeah. This is the first of two North African nations named in the part in this part of Ezekiel. Okay. Ethiopia was the land south of Egypt. Ethiopia was directly south okay. of Egypt. Okay. Right. Today Ethiopia. it's the modern country of Sudan. Oh. Sudan. Along with Iran, 
Sudan is one of Israel's fiercest enemies. Mm. And then Libya is the other um, African country. Okay. It's the land west of Egypt. And the only country in Ezekiel's list that's still the same from the ancient name. Mm. Libya? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So the Libyan government has been renewing its ties with Russia in hopes of purchasing military weapons. Of course. Mm -hmm. Right. And Gomer. Hey, hey, I got Gomer. You got Gomer. Gomer was the first son of Japheth and the grandson of Noah. Japheth again. Japheth was in the kind of the mix like Ishmael, huh? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Started a lot of crap. (laughs) Gomer was the first son of Japheth and was the grandson of Noah. Because of the similarity between the words, many have taught that Gomer was the founder of the nation that is Germany. Because of the G? I guess. I, guess. I don't. Gormany? Gomer? Gormany? And because Gormany. he went north. Believing that Gomer represents modern Germany, John Phillips wrote the death and chaos, wrote of the death and chaos that nation has inflicted in the past. A united and greater Germany, he writes... Gomer and all his bands had come with a hair and within a hair of winning World War II. It had taken all of its combined might of the British Empire, the Soviet Union, and the United States to fight Germany to a standstill. What if a united and anti Semitic Germany were to seek its future fortunes while allied to an anti Semitic Russia? Hmm. Frightening. These are good questions. And this is quoted directly from this chapter. Right. We're not reading the whole chapter. We're just providing you specific quotes from these areas from Dr. Jeremiah. Right. And then it also mentions Tagarma. Tagarma was the third son of Gomer, son of Japheth. (laughs) Again, Japheth. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what was going on in that family tree. But anyway. Noah, Noah, Noah. The house of Tagarma from the far north is Ezekiel 38.6. Some commentators identify Togarmuth with Turkey. Now, that makes more sense than Meshek and Tubal being Turkey. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Togarma, Turkey. Because again, because they kind of sound the same. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, these phonetic scientists say so. Well, yeah, I guess it's the development of language. Right. I mean, is what there's, there's some pattern. Yeah, there is a pattern. There, there is yeah. some evidence. So these are the nations that will form a coalition and march against Israel, setting the stage for this gigantic world war focused on the Holy Land. Okay. Though the northern armies of Russia and Turkey will lead the coalition, they will be joined by Iran from the east, Sudan and Libya from the south and possibly Germany from the West. In Again. the form of a re- revived European coalition of nations. <sighs> to darken the picture for Israel, Ezekiel added that the nation will have many peoples on its side. Hmm. So, they're going to come against who? Israel? Israel. This little bit, little All it takes is one of them to wipe them out. Or you'd think. I know, right? They would think. Okay, so they would think. the Russian attack, why? Why? Why Israel? Russia, Russia, why, Russia. Right? Oh, why Israel? Okay. Why Israel? Well, why? Yeah. Why will Russia and its allies attack Israel? I want to know why. So let's well. read it and see what Dr. Jeremiah says, shall we? <laughs> what is the purpose of the invasion? 
Ezekiel. Again, he's a prophet from the Bible. If you right. believe that solid truth, then here are three answers that spring from the evil hearts of Israel's attackers. There is a fourth answer that springs from the heart of God himself. That will be revealed later in the chapter. First, the Russians will go to seize Israel's land. I will, in verses 11 and 12, it says, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited. And then, second, the purpose will be to steal Israel's wealth. Okay. Uh, what's the purpose uh, to invade? Take their land, take their wealth. Okay, one and two sounds pretty smart. And it says in verses 12 and 13, that's what they're going to do. Take the plunder and the booty. Yep. <laughs> Carry away the gold and the silver. Take away the livestock and the goods to take great plunder, it says right there in the Bible. Third, the great army from the north will seek to slaughter Israel's people. Kill them all. They will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land in verse 16, it says. We've already noted the hatred of Israel, a hatred that has existed since Abraham exiled Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Remember that in Genesis 21, 8 through 19? You know, some of our mistakes, they haunt us for life. Ooh. And then some, well, his? <laughs> that hatred can only be satisfied by the annihilation of the Jewish nation. Dang. So this all started, we all said this, you and I have said this a long time ago, right? This all started with Isaac and Ishmael. Yep. And that whole deal there, and it's been a split well, since. Where... Where um, Abraham and Sarah didn't have the patience. Nope. Tried to do it in their own strength. And look at what happened to the world. He's called <laughs> the father of faith. And the father of all nations. And yet... Well, he, he kind of technically is the father of all nations. <laughs> well, it took 100 years. Yeah. But at 90, he was still kind of doubting it. Yeah. We know that story. So anyway, in a reference back to Ishmael in Genesis 21, 8, 19, it says that hatred can only be satisfied by the annihilation of the Jewish nation. Dang. So Ishmael was so upset about, you know, being exiled and ran away to the wilderness, right? Yeah, he convinced all of his ancestors that it was bad. That was the first victim mentality, right? We saw a song on that earlier. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a victim. <laughs> right. So where? Where is it going to happen? Where will the invasion occur? Well, Israel, obviously, right? Yeah, but where? Israel is one of the smallest nations on earth. Russia yes. is 800 times larger. 800. 800. 800. Yet Israel is at the center of one of the world's final global wars, the target mm -hmm. of a massive coalition led by a world superpower. Mm -hmm. And when? Ezekiel prophesied that these three events must take place before Russia invades. First, Israel must be present in its own land. Okay? Did that happen? Um, they have regathered. Okay. Right? Obviously, Ezekiel's prophecy could not have been fulfilled prior to 1948. So, that has happened. Number that eight. has happened, right? Eight. Now... Not only will the Jews return to their homeland, but they will also occupy the mountains of Israel. Mm. That happened before the Six-Day War. Okay. Okay. Number two. Right. Hey, we're doing pretty good, Israel. Um, let's see. That was the small strip of West Jerusalem where they, they took that. Then Ezekiel 40 through 48 chapters that... Um, Describes Ezekiel 
his uh, description of the invasion is about the millennium, which will be a time of Israel's spiritual rebirth. The invasion of Gog and Magog will take place between the national and the spiritual rebirths. So, um, the regathering of the nation of Israel is, is continuing. And we talked about the land mass and all that. Right, that is not formed yet. And right. I think the third sign was it that they must be prosperous in their own land, in its land. Right, that's second. Yeah, <clears throat> so next, second, right? Israel must be prosperous in its own land. Well, there was two reasons for the the present in his own land. Okay. So 1948 and the Six-Day War are two indicators that they okay. are present, but they're yeah. not fully yeah. present yet. Okay. okay? That was, those are both one. So number two was they must be prosperous. So um, did you know that Israel has the third most NASDAQ-listed companies in the world? Actually, because we looked that up way back in about 2016, yes, I'm absolutely stunned at the amount of money from the Jewish nation and those Jewish people that are in the United States. Almost, almost every major corporation has Jewish ownership. It's unbelievable. Right. It's just after U.S. and China. Or it was in 2019, anyway. <laughs> um, they are called the startup nation because they have the largest amount of startups per capita. Oh. They also have 18 billionaires and 105,000 millionaires. Wow. Right? So I think the prosperity is there. Okay, number two. Check it off. <laughs> okay. Uh, the third condition is that Israel will be in place before the Russian invasion. The third condition is peace before Russia invades. The because it says, because it says, there must be peace. That was the point. Right. Right. Oh, because it's unwalled. Right. I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. Right. Right. Okay. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates. Well, we know that's not right now. <laughs> right? Right. Not there. Um, Ezekiel told us that the Northern Coalition will descend on a people whose peace is so secure they don't maintain weapons or defensive measures at all. Hmm. So they're going to let their guard down. Okay. Okay. And a time is coming, however, when Israel will be at peace in its land. Mm -hmm. The prophet Daniel told us how this peace will come about from Daniel 9.27. He, the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. When the Antichrist appears, one of his first projects will be to settle the Arab-Israeli dispute. On behalf of the European Coalition of Nations, he will make a covenant with the Jews to guarantee their safety. Sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. This covenant, which will be contracted for a period of seven years or a week of years, will cause Israel to let down its guard and turn its attention towards prosperity. Israel will, for the first time, be a nation of unwalled villages and therefore a ripe target for Russian aggression. Right. We've therefore pinpointed a time for Russian invasion of Israel that will come after Israel returns to its homeland, after it's become highly prosperous, and after the implementation of the seven-year peace treaty 
with the Antichrist, which we covered last week. Right. So, the Russian annihilation is the next step here. <clears throat> so, Ezekiel says, Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. And it will come to pass at the same time when Gog comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face, for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. The fourth reason uh, um, is that it's going to set the stage. For God's punishment of Russia and its allies for their history of rebellion against him. Punish Russia. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. We've got to warn Putin. <laughs> <laughs> Doom is coming. Yes. Don't be yes. messing up. Don't be attacking Israel. Now, we can't change history. That'd be like quantum leap. Right, right. Can't do that, right? So this is happening. All this is in place, but we're not necessarily saying it's happening right now. We're not saying that if Russia is in a war, that the whole world's going to end. We're not saying that. Right. But God's going to use evil tendencies of allied nations to goad them into attacking Israel so that he can execute his judgment against them for their history of human oppression. Ezekiel describes four calamities that will descend on the invading armies when God intervenes to Whoa, protect his people. Four calamities. How about yep. monumental convulsions? first calamity Ezekiel prophesied was a great earthquake in the land of Israel. This earthquake will be like none ever seen on earth. Mm-hmm. It will register completely off the Richter scale. Wow. Towering buildings and even mountains will come crashing down. <laughs> Going to change the whole landscape. Yeah. Though Israel will be the epicenter, every living creature on earth will feel the effects of this colossal quake. Wow. Woo! Number two, military confusion. The movement, wreckage, and clouds of dust and smoke from the quake will generate mass confusion among the invading armies. <clears throat> Excuse me. In verse 21, it says that. Dr. Walward, Walvord explains, In the pandemonium, communication between the invading armies will break down, and they will begin attacking each other. Mm, that sounds like a story in the Bible. I was going to say that. <laughs> Oh, this event will be similar to one from Israel's history, but on the exponentially larger scale. <laughs> See Chronicles 20, 22 through 25 for that one. Yep. God will protect his people in the future as he has done in the past. Number three, major contagion. What's a contagion? <laughs> well, God's third weapon against the Russian coalition will be an epidemic breakout of disease Mm -hmm. it will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed ezekiel 38 22 unburied dead bodies will lie everywhere causing Mm. a malignant plague to infect the land thousands more of invaders will die nasty wow sounds like number four multiple calamities a deluge of fire and brimstone will also fall on Russia and its allies, just as God's rain, just as God rained fire and brimstone down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse twenty-two. Mm-hmm. These God-inflicted calamities will extend to the Magog homelands as well. Let me read that in English. 
It's almost midnight, you know? No? <laughs> These God-inflected calamities will extend to the Magog homelands as well. Sounded better. Mm-hmm. I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in security in the coastlands. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. 39.6 So it's not just the soldiers, it's the people who stayed home. Those who remain in Magog will not escape punishment. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. So there's going to be Russian aftermath. Ah, too bad. God's supernatural intervention to protect Israel and bring judgment on the Russian coalition will leave all of Israel's fields, mountains, plains, gullies, and lakes strewn and piled with invaders' bodies. Mm -hmm. It will be grisly testament to the ignoble end of those who defy God. That's right. The disposal of these corpses can be summed up in these words, birds, beasts, burning, and burials. Mm -hmm. Ezekiel 38 details the destruction of the northern armies, and 39 describes their disposals. The birds and the beasts, God calls a sacrificial meal for the scavengers. Mm Mm-hmm. He will do, they will do his bidding and clean up the land for his people. Mm-hmm. And the burnings, not only will the failed Russian invasion leave mass bodies, but it will also leave coalition's military equipment littering the landscape. How are they going to get them discarded? They're going to burn them up. Yeah. And the burials. So after the vultures and scavengers, God will invite to devour the bodies of the fallen invaders. They will leave a residue of bones and other inedible parts. And that will be necessary for the Israelis to bury. And in verses 11 and 12, it describes the fact that it will take seven months to bury all of the dead. That gives us an idea of how big the invading army is going to be. Pretty crazy, huh? Hmm. So what is the Russian application? In Ezekiel 38 and 39, we find a compelling prophecy about the ultimate destruction of Russia, Mm. a nation that has long been antagonistic toward God and disruptive to the world. Today, we can see the historical character of that nation asserting itself again as it seeks to expand its power and disruptive influence, especially in the Middle East. The whole world will marvel at how God brings down a powerful enemy while preserving his people. I can understand why people would shudder at today's headlines. The daily news shows an alarming disintegration of world order and security. We see growing disorder now and chaos ahead, and we wonder whether God has turned his face away from us. Hmm. Godless Russia is no match for the king of kings. Mm -mm. No godless nation shall stand against the creator. Right. But like you said, you know, at the beginning of this series, we don't do this to scare you. Right, right. Because we look forward to the day. Right. It's not the end of the world. Like people say, oh, it's the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. (laughs) Well, what's wrong with the end of the world? The end of the world for Christians is heaven. Right. The end of this world, anyway, is heaven. Because we get to live eternally forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And so there's comfort in that. There's yes. comfort in knowing that there's some sort of a miracle plan that will take a broken, sinful person like me or you. Mm-hmm. Right, sinful. Or you. 
<laughs> or you, a, like me, a dirty, rotten, sinful person, give them a plan that is eternal to keep them out of this damnation in hell after this world ends. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. It's the only true afterlife plan of any of the religions. And you remember, Christianity has the only religion where he got up from the dead. Right. The rest of them are still just statues and dead. So and They're still in the grave. Take that as a clue. Yep. The only living God, the only one who defeated death is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we always want to make sure that you know the plan. And it's a simple plan. And we like to break it down. We've been youth leaders, kids leaders for a long time through not only vacation Bible schools and, and Awana programs, but uh, it's just the ABCs. ABCs. It's easy as that. And so A? Admit. Admit, Admit you are a sinner. Mm-hmm. Because we all sin. The Bible tells us we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. There's no way around that, which actually is part of the good news. Even though they say that's the bad news, that's actually part of the good news because that puts us all on an even keel. Right. We can't earn our way. We can't be better than someone else. Talk about a socialistic plan. <laughs> this is, it's a fair deal. Okay, It's a right. fair, fair and deal. And your sin isn't any better or worse than mine. Yeah. And totally even. Every one of one us. One speck of dirt is just as bad as a whole pile. That's right. <laughs> Simply because sin separates us from God and it only takes a speck. So Right, right. But that's A. So we all admit that. So as long as, our, as long as we all admit we're dirty, rotten to the core in general, we want to be better, of course. But inside, we have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. Got that part out of the way? Yep. A is done. A. What's B? B. Believe. Believe. Believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins. That's right. He came to earth through a virgin birth, which Mm -hmm. is another one of those, none of the other gods did that. Came through human, virgin birth on earth. Lived a perfect, sinless life so that he could experience the sin and horrors of... Temptations. Temptations. Sadness. Satan himself. Yep. And he experienced those things and then took the wrath for us and died on the cross. For everybody. Me, Once, you. For all. That's right. You don't have to, he doesn't have to come back and do it again. Right. He's made that sacrifice as a final atonement or justification or erasure of our sins. And that's the difference between the Old and New Testament, just to make sure you know, understand that. In the Old Testament, they made sacrifices with animals and blood on the on the altar. Mm-hmm. That was done away with. That was replaced by the ultimate lamb, the ultimate sacrificial lamb, which is Jesus Christ. And that's the difference between the Old Testament and the New. Jesus yes. Christ died on the cross for our sins, is the B. We believe that. Yes. What's C? C is confess. And it's... I, yes. I have to go to confessional and sit there and tell the priest all the stuff? Well, confess. We, we mm-hmm. do need to confess our sins to him. And we need to do that daily. And we need to take... Um, we need to um, capture our thoughts every day. And we need to focus on him. We need to renew that every day. Right? Yes, ma'am. But confess in this instance actually means confess that he is your Lord. That's right. Let so, others know. Let others know. 
That's right. what it's all about. That's why there's baptism. is to show everybody. And to confess the good news. This right. plan. Let other people know this plan because our ultimate commission in life is to tell others. Right. And he won't be back until we have spread the good news throughout the whole earth. Every nation on earth. And there are people who still have not heard about Jesus. So we're here to confess to you that we have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as our Lord and Savior. And if you want to do that, you can do that right now sitting there right where you are. Or you can talk to God. Talk to your pastor, call us, talk to your youth leader, talk to your senior pastor, talk to a friend, talk to your family, whatever it takes. Talk to someone to admit to them that you believe that you're a sinner, you believe Christ died for you, and that you want to confess and follow him. Mm-hmm. And you will be saved because the Bible assures that. Yes. Those who confess shall be saved. Have the hope and join the family of God. That's right. So we're going to go ahead and end our Faith Matters segment Mm -hmm. for tonight. That was Chapter 3, The Book of Signs from Dr. David Jeremiah. And tonight, Russia, obviously, fits pretty heavily into the plan of how these prophetic signs are coming about. Again, like Andy said and I said in the beginning, this is not to scare you. This is to give you the truth, the heads up. And the biblical solid truth about where these events fit in the historical timeline. So that you can have a better understanding and decide for yourself. Right. But we also want to stir you to a decision to salvation. Because it's not our decision where you spend eternity. But you will spend eternity somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. Do you choose it to be a fiery pit of hell and darkness forever so dark you can't see the hand in front of your face and pain so horrific that there is gnashing and teeth and loud noises so that your eardrums burst and in a lake of fire. If you want that, go ahead. But I'm picking heaven. All right? right? Me too. Yeah, right. That's me. Hello. <laughs> That's me. Okay. So okay, a few rules. Yours. I can handle that. Yeah. Right? Hey, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Be humble. I can I can try to do that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pray this one out. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time together. And we just pray that there is someone that heard this message and that will accept uh, Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior tonight. Mm-hmm. Whatever night that it is, whatever day, whatever time it is, we know it's appointed by you and it's it's guaranteed by the Holy Spirit that those who confess and believe shall be saved. Yes. Lord, we thank you so much for this broadcast tonight, and we thank all those who are listening, and we thank you for your son. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and close it on out. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you.
And that does it for another edition of Digging Deeper. Visit our website to catch this podcast and many others anytime. You can also watch our live TV network, browse our on-demand content, read our controversial articles, or sign up if you feel led to join the cause for defending our Constitution. It's all on diggingdeeper.us. We appreciate you listening, and remember, visit diggingdeeper.us to learn more about what we're doing to bring truth to light.